Welcome to the Braille Music and Beyond podcast, where blind musicians and those who support them come together to share resources, tips, and discussion. Our goal is to create more inclusive and empowering music learning opportunities for blind students by collaborating and exploring issues impacting their education in music classrooms. Hello and welcome everyone to the I guess we could say inaugural, but the first Braille Music and Beyond podcast episode. My name is Katie Shelton, and I'm a board-certified music therapist from the United States. I also happen to be a blind musician, and I am so excited for this podcast to launch. I think it will be a great way to connect people about Braille music and other resources for blind musicians. And I thought today we'd start off with a little introduction about me and sort of my experiences, because those really are what led to launching this podcast. Um, I have a great lineup of speakers to come in the coming months to present on various topics and their experiences, but today we'll kick it off with some background information so you understand why I felt the need for this podcast to exist and what I hope for it to accomplish in the future. If you know me in real life, you know I tend to be a talker and I'm going to do my best to be concise but also to be detailed because I think it's important to understand the why behind this podcast and it's really tied up in my background. So I come from a family that isn't particularly musical and before I was born my parents didn't know anything about blindness but we happened to live near the Cincinnati Association for the Blind and Visually Impaired. There they have a stellar early intervention program. And so the social worker we were um, with at the time referred us to music therapy. And in those groups, they were very family-oriented. So siblings were involved and parents. And we would work on social skills and communication and... Um, some early independence skills like using your cane properly and things like that and then of course the families could network and get to know each other but the music therapist was also blind so my parents with me as their first kid at like two or three years old were meeting this role model who had a career that she very obviously enjoyed and a family with you know her husband and her kids She had a guide dog, she used the bus, she got around, she did her stuff, and they didn't know exactly how things would shape out for me, but they knew it would be okay. And I'm so glad that they had that experience when I was a toddler rather than at 10, 11, 12, because I've seen that happen to families and it's a much bigger adjustment. So we did music therapy for the first several years of my life. And then when I got into school, we stopped and I tried more traditional violin lessons and piano lessons. And I didn't really have the patience to sit at the piano or the violin. So those didn't last for very long. There were a couple of years where I had a 
big gap and I wasn't doing anything musical. I tried a couple sports and things like that. Dance, um, science club at school, just any random kid thing, scouts. And then the letters for fifth grade band, orchestra, and chorus went home. And I don't know why I didn't pick the violin back up, but I decided to go with the clarinet. And that's what stuck. It ended up being a really good system because my band director, her primary instrument was clarinet. So she'd make me these little tapes to practice with at home and I'd memorize my stuff. And I loved band. I loved coming in and making music and the camaraderie. And I was a pretty good little first year player and figured some stuff out early on. So end of fifth grade comes around and I decide to continue in middle school. The day that I met my middle school band director was so funny because I was getting a tour of the middle school with my orientation and mobility specialist and he just happened to see the band room lights were on when we were passing by. So we walked down there and the band director was inside and my orientation and mobility specialist just starts facilitating this whole conversation about how, oh, she's going to be in sixth grade and she's so excited and she plays clarinet and so she's going to be in your band and um this according to the conversation we had in the car later um this band director's eyes just got so big because there's this kid standing in front of him with a cane and he's done already 20 some years in music ed and has never had a blind student So he kind of mumbled something about how he could use good clarinet players and we all went on our way and the first day of school comes around and he sits me in the back of the clarinet section and says very candidly, I've never had a blind student. I don't really know what to tell you, but I do know that if you're going to be a musician, you're going to need to develop your ear. So do the best that you can to listen to your parts, and then I'll make you tapes. And it ended up being okay as far as tapes went, too, because he would either play on piano and transpose, or he had trumpet as his primary instrument. So clarinet and trumpet both being B-flat instruments, it worked out well. He could just play my parts on his trumpet. So we get through sixth grade year, and I find that I'm improving, and I still love band, Um, seventh grade year, he moves me and the girl that I was listening to and stand partners with up. So we went from being dead last in the section to first and second chair. And so we got some better parts. They're also a little trickier parts, but it was challenging me. And I was much better at hearing my part rather than just the melody in the ensemble. So I was picking a lot up on my own. And around that time, I think we both independently started looking up ways to further my music education. And I found the Braille Music Code existed, so I took it to my teacher, the visually impaired, um, we call them TVIs in the U.S., and I asked if we could spend some of our Braille lesson time on Braille music. She, I think, didn't know the code, but didn't want to say Um, but at the time she just passed it off as it was a huge waste of time that I was asking of her. So her response was something like, well, why would you want to do that? You're learning chemistry code and advanced Nemeth and you need those things for high school. 
So we don't have time to work on braille music. You need to get ready for high school classes and your SATs and things like that. So I didn't really have any other avenue for learning it immediately. After a while, I contacted that music therapist again. She comes up very serendipitously throughout all this. Um, And she gave me some kind of informal braille music lessons and made me this cheat sheet that I used until it was basically unusable anymore. And um, that was all I knew to do. And then the band director, meanwhile, was looking it up and he pulled me aside after class one day and says, there's this thing in Braille, there's a, a music code and you should learn it because if you're going to go on in music, you're going to need to learn how to read it like everybody else. And I said, well, that's great, but I don't really have a way to do that because I took it to the Braille teacher and she told me that we need to spend time on science and math. So I was told years later that there was a conversation that was held between the two of them and it was a pretty disagreeable one. Neither one really got what they wanted out of it but in the end the band director just kind of doubled down on giving me some support after school with honor band auditions and um, solo and ensemble contest prep and he talked to my parents about getting me into private lessons when I wanted to do marching band a year early with the high school and other adults were really hesitant. He was the one that told my parents just to let me try it, um, which ended up being the best thing because I loved marching band. It was my favorite thing about high school. So eighth grade year was a huge growing year for me. That was also the summer before eighth grade was when I started attending the Braille Beats Fine Arts Program which was a nine-day summer residential intensive for blind music students in Lapeer, Michigan. And I learned so much of that program. I'll talk more about it at length on another episode, but I attended Braille Beats for years um, and then later ended up staffing it. So I was starting to get some supports in place, and eighth grade year was tremendously helpful just to be growing with that support. Then I get to high school and I didn't have near as much support in place. A lot of the prep work to get Braille music, when I did have it, fell on me. Even when I took a music theory class, I had to type all the music into the computer from the Braille music textbook that I had um, from NLS, or our National Library Service. And then I'd actually have to sit down and do my homework as the second step. Um, I was first chair all four years, but I couldn't often get what I needed to learn my parts very well. So sometimes that fell to my private lesson teacher, and she didn't really like that because she was supposed to be getting paid to help me work on college audition music, and I understand why. And so she tried to go to bat for me too, um, which was really helpful, but that ended up not working out either. Um, so a lot of people tried. I think a lot of people tried to figure stuff out and, and be supportive, but um, they were just not tied into the school environment quite enough. So it was a really frustrating four years. And I just, 
I, I wanted to quit band at a couple points just because I wasn't getting what I needed out of it. But I stuck with it. And then I got into my first choice school, the only one I applied to, really. I had a backup, but I was so excited that initially I only, I only put in one application and did one audition because I really wanted to attend the University of Dayton for um, school. And I did that because I, in high school, volunteered again with that same music therapist. And she still had her groups working with blind students and their families, and I loved it. After about a year of volunteering, I knew I wanted to do music therapy, so I toured a couple campuses, and I really liked UD's campus, and it wasn't too far from home. They had a great music therapy program, so it just seemed like the perfect fit. Um, College was interesting for me. Um, The system that we had in place for Braille music was phenomenal. Um, the department hired a music ed student turned music composition student later on to be sort of like a student transcriber and his work was excellent. He got all my music portions of my textbooks ready and my ensemble pieces um, and he did a great job. So everything was kind of ready to go and at my fingertips and I didn't have to fight for anything. I didn't have to make my assignments and then do them anymore like I did with that high school music theory class. Um, Even when I did marching band, the um, director of the marching band was um, very upfront about talking to me about what things could be done to help me on the field and what strategies we could use. And that was that was really amazing. I missed the competition of the high school band, but I think in terms of access and communication, I had much better supports when I was in college. Um, for instance, actually being able to have my own dot books in a system that worked for me and having bright paint on the blacktop practice area, that really helped. So I think it structurally things worked out well. Mentally, it was a tough time for me because I was coming to grips with a lot of disability-related issues. There was a lot of internalized ableism I was working through. Um, And then just the, the usual growing pains of trying to adult for the first time, for lack of a better term. And I had a really hard time sometimes understanding things in the context that everybody else was getting them. I was really insecure because I realized that a lot of these students had been playing for no longer than I had, but they were just so much more knowledgeable because they had had music reading experience for about four or five years at least more than I did. I really started that pretty late in the game. And so I had this weird difference of skills where I could improvise already and I I knew um, music theory pretty well and I had a really good ear so I could do those sorts of things but when it came to terminology in music or um, actually reading a score I struggled more than a lot of other people and I had a lot of imposter syndrome about that um and it was hard. I, I think that my mental blocks got in my way quite a bit. But 
I had some really creative professors, particularly in my instrumental um, lessons, and they got really creative. And I've those things have really stuck with me in my own teaching. For instance, I had a professor for conducting who knew that I was very nervous about conducting and my movement. And for the midterm, I went to see him for office hours and he sort of tricked me into taking my final early, um, or my midterm early, and had me go through the patterns one more time after we practiced and just said, congratulations, you got a 95 on your midterm, um, which was great because I wasn't as nervous. Then there was the guitar professor that put some tapes on the back of my neck so that I could shift around on the guitar and my thumb would catch those those tapes. And so then I gradually built up muscle memory and was able to take the tapes away. And there was the voice professor that was trying to teach me how it would feel in my body to sing with a certain amount of breath support. And I wasn't quite doing it, so he had me run in place for I think 30 seconds and then try to sing the same passage again and those sort of embodiments have really stuck with me um it's not how a lot of sighted people think about teaching music and it's not the language that they use but I feel like those professors that kind of thought outside the box were the ones that really helped make music make sense to me and so I try to approach that when I teach as well. So I graduated with um, my music therapy degree after doing several practicums with children, which was very much appreciated because my professors knew that's what I wanted to focus on. And then I did my internship mostly in preschool. Um, I had some adults too, but I really didn't want to work with blind clients exclusively. I had this block where I didn't want people to box me in as being someone that should only work with people like me. Um, I was very insecure about that at the time. So I intentionally went elsewhere for my training. And it happened towards the end of my internship that I got an opportunity to work more with blind kids. And I took it. I loved it and it was only a short little six-week contract but I loved that so much and unfortunately I wasn't able to find a job that I could slide into that would continue that even though I was interested in that at the time but I did get to join the Braille Beats faculty and I helped redesign the Braille music curriculum and started teaching the Braille music curriculum. So I thought that that would be a good way to continue this newfound desire to work with blind kids. And in the meantime, I also was fortunate enough to find a job pretty soon after internship. And I still work there to this day with adults with intellectual and developmental disabilities primarily, but I also see children. And I love it. I love that it, there's such a wide range of people with different interests and talents and every day is something new. So I love, I love that. And going forward, I continued to go back to Braille Beats. I taught again in 2019 
and I added a ukulele ensemble to my course load, which was really fun. It was very challenging in some regards, but it was really fun, and I enjoyed it. Then, of course, the pandemic hit, and having more time to think and more time to be with my thoughts and more time to think about what's important to me in these past two years, um, also without having a Braille Beats program, has really shown me how badly the resources on Braille Music are dwindling. They were kind of going away before the pandemic, but this has definitely accelerated it. Um, And I just think back to 10 years ago when I was a student, we had Braille Beats. And um, I don't know, 10 or 11 years ago, I was at the Summer Braille Music Institute as well. And that doesn't run anymore. And there's other materials that we can't find anymore that used to be around. So the the people that I relied upon to learn these skills that I wasn't getting through my school are getting older as well. And I'm not really aware of as many people that are coming up in the pipeline to give them a break and take their place. So this is my attempt at doing that. Eventually, I'd like to be able to offer more substantial programs and more opportunities For now, this is a pretty um, low-budget production, but it's what I can handle while getting my master's degree and working full-time and just being a one-woman show for now. I'm hoping to expand, but this is what I can do at the moment. However, it's a good start, and I am so thrilled that you are listening and you sat through that (laughs) tirade about my interest in helping other people avoid some of the pitfalls and struggles that I had with learning braille music. Um, If you are so inclined, it would be great if you could subscribe so you could keep up to date on our episodes. You can also join our Facebook group. Please, please, please make sure to fill out all the fields when you do so, so that I can confirm you're a real person and that you agree to the group roles. You can also um, rate the podcast. That sounds like it's a very minimal ask um, or that it might not matter that much, but it really does. It helps direct other people to us. And that's the whole point of this is to get conversation out on another platform that might be a little more ubiquitous um, or easy for, for people to find when they're searching for information on Braille music. So if you have any questions, feel free to contact me. Um, Also, if you would like to be featured on the podcast and you have a topic you'd like to speak about, please contact me. I have a good lineup going and we are booked into the first couple months of 2022 already, which is awesome, but I would like to see what else is out there and get things lined up. It's also never a bad thing to have backup plans in place in case we need to shift things around. We never know with COVID. So, um, if you would like to get in touch with me, my email address is k-a-i-t-i dot s-h-e-l-t-o-n at gmail.com. That's katie.shelton at gmail.com. Thank you so, so much for listening, and I hope that you stick around and catch our next episode where we will be discussing sort of a case study on teaching braille music to adult learners um, alongside with their literary braille music knowledge. 
It should be a pretty interesting topic. It's a little unconventional for a first start, but there's nothing about learning braille music that I feel like is conventional given how underrepresented it is both in music and in blindness spaces. So I am so excited to be bridging that gap and to be adding to the resources that are out there. Um, One quick note, I would be remiss to not mention the Music Education Network for the Visually Impaired, of which I have been recently appointed as an advisor. Menvi is a great international network of musicians and parents and teachers and music therapists and transcribers. You can find them at menvi.org. There's a discussion list and a newsletter with a journal article, um, publication. There's all sorts of resources there. So go ahead and check Menvi out. They're great. You can also check out the Library of Congress, um, which can be found at loc.gov. And you might also check out some resources. Um, There's a website I was recently made aware of called the Braille Orc. Um, I will put links to all of these in the show notes for easy access. You may also find a transcription of today's show for accessibility purposes in the show notes. Thank you again, and I will see you in August. We'll be right back. Braille Music and Beyond is hosted and produced by me, Katie Shelton. Our intro music is Happy Days by Simon Fulwer. The outro music you are hearing now is called Jump Jive by All Good Folks. Unless otherwise specified, all music for the show is obtained under a Creative Commons license at Upbeat.io. You can visit them for your own stock music. Want to continue the conversation between episodes? Find us on Facebook. Join our private Facebook group by searching for Braille Music and Beyond or by using the link found in the description. Please make sure to fill out all fields in the membership questions so that I can approve your request. Catch you next time.